Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. The Communist Party of China believes it can perform miracles. Two are mentioned frequently in propaganda, rapid economic development and long-term social stability. Citizens are encouraged to contrast these great achievements with the problems facing liberal democracies, where social unrest, violence and political instability dominate the news. To some minds in China, this reveals a global ideological struggle which defines the present epoch. On today's podcast, we'll be asking whether this interpretation stands up to scrutiny. And I'm very pleased to host a scholar who's skilled at analysing such issues. Dr. Moritz Rudolph from Yale Law School's Paul Tsai China Centre. Moritz, welcome back to China in Context. Thank you. Now, let's start with these claims by Marxist theorists that the individualistic culture of Western liberalism is a dead end. Now, as a journalist, I can see why people might come to such a conclusion, especially when they hear bad news stories pouring out of America, horrors like mass shootings or even just the constant squabbling over the culture wars. But it does seem to me that when China calls out the sins of the West, it does so with a particular motivation. It wants to preach the gospel of the Chinese way. I'd like to hear your perspective. Well, I think there are um, uh, two elements to that. One of that is like a focus on criticizing the developments of the United States in particular referring to it as a great power in decline. And in recent months and years, it has pushed more forward, like drawing this negative picture of the United States, like which is unable to solve um, the global challenges it is facing um, as a, like the former great imperial power, which was unable to, for instance, deal with the COVID crisis. And there were like more and more efforts to, well, targeting developing countries, but actually just like trying to get this message out of the US um, being unable to um, uh, lead the way in the 21st century. And um, the second aspect is of the PRC portraying itself as the country that can offer solutions to resolve the complexities of the 21st century in an interconnected world. And part of this is like the calls for reform of the existing order. And um, what China has been using as a reference term for this was like this um, community of shared future of mankind, which um, the Chinese leadership, especially under Xi Jinping, has been just like um, pushing um, and putting out at the international level for, for, for quite some time. And this, I would say, is like the key aspect of like China preaching its own wisdom and offering it to, to, to the world and to the developing world in particular. Well, that's a great answer, because I think you've really captured very clearly the messages that China is sending about the global situation uh, through its media. Now, Xi Jinping has unveiled his Global Civilization Initiative. And the state media, as you would expect, has brimmed with fawning coverage. Uh, the English edition of the Global Times, that's a, a nationalist tabloid website, dubbed the president's idea civilization, <laughs> calling it all important. Can you explain 
what the Global Civilization Initiative actually means. It's about putting the narrative out at an international level that modernization doesn't equal westernization. And in particular, the Global Civilization Initiative focuses on like um, saying that China offers a different way of um, other civilizations to harmonize, like that there are different approaches to development, which are not Western-led. And China is like, through this initiative, is trying to offer, especially to countries in the Global South, that there are other ways of achieving development in the 21st century, which are which is essentially a critique of how the West was treating or interacting with those um, countries in the past. Mm. I want to look at the issue of the global South a little bit more in a moment. But China often criticizes politicians in the West for harking back to a lost golden age and yearning to recover the former glories of empire. However, I have noticed that the wording of this global civilization initiative um, is said to be full of Chinese wisdom. Now, that suggests to me that China is also drawing on the mythology of its past. Well, it does so to a certain extent. So Xi Jinping has been um, playing with nationalism uh, domestically, and parts of this is like this return to um, old Chinese traditional thinking. And at the international level, I think we see this as well, but maybe to a lesser extent, like it's it's really abstract when they refer to Chinese wisdom. Sometimes there's a quote referring to Confucius, but um, like the idea of like China trying to reestablish a tributary system, like this being part of what, what China is really hoping to achieve, I think this is a little bit one-sided. I think the Chinese Communist Party and its leadership are, well aware that you need to find like some kind of, you have to respect the realities of the 21st century as well. So while there is maybe some aspects to that, I don't think this is the dominant force right now. I think right now it's mostly about criticizing um, the status quo, the Western-led status quo, and you only have on an abstract level saying that other countries could find their own path to achieve development, and you can look at China as a primary example for this. When I read speeches from Xi Jinping, they sound on the surface very tolerant and reasonable. For example, he said recently, countries need to keep an open mind in appreciating the perceptions of values by different civilizations. He also said, countries should refrain from imposing their own values or models on others and from stoking ideological confrontation. What do you make of such remarks? Well, it's a critique of the United States and of the West, whom it accuses of um, uh, exporting its own values and, and calling them universal. So what China is trying to do is saying, well, this is a Western perspective, but this is not the gold standard. This is not, there's no universalistic claim to those ideas. So this is what, what it appears to be doing with the global um, civilization initiatives, just like those sowing doubts of universality and um, putting it into a box of Western ideas, but uh, and then just like having the, the Chinese responses as an equal alternative. Well, let me put forward another perspective. I want to explain how China is perceived by the US intelligence community. 
So this is from the 2023 Annual Threat Assessment Report. I'll quote it exactly because I think it's important to get the words very precise here. China has the capability to directly attempt to alter the rules-based global order in every realm and across multiple regions as a near-peer competitor that is increasingly pushing to change global norms and potentially threatening its neighbours. I'll continue from the report. The report says, Beijing sees increasingly competitive US-China relations as part of an epochal geopolitical shift and views Washington's diplomatic, economic, military and technological measures against Beijing as part of a broader US effort to prevent China's rise and undermine the CCP's rule. Now, that's the view there of the CIA. So, Moritz, how do you interpret that kind of rhetoric? Well, I think that the US intelligence community is aware that China is explicit about its desire to reform the international order to um, be more to represent the Chinese positions and interests to a larger extent than it does um, currently. And China is quite um, effective when it comes to building international coalitions, especially reaching out to the global south to become an international norm setter at the like cutting edge questions of international law and of the international rules based order, like outer space law, um, regulating international seabed. Um, in regulating um, the um, like questions of anti-corruption uh, of the future and, and the digital space. So in those areas, China is, is quite effective in coalition building. And this by itself would lead to a, well, different kind of international order. And China is just like, this is something that um, Western countries are concerned about because um, uh, you cannot wish away Chinese position and Chinese preparedness um, at the international um, standard-setting bodies. And at the same point of time, they, they appear to be aware that this is like this, this struggle for being able to set the, the norms and the standards of the future is something that could harm the interests of the United States. And China is quite explicit in this, in this area as well, that um, there will be a, a struggle, and we are maybe already in this, this struggle of like international norm settings and um, like this being being a role, like being a conflict between the United States and, and, and China. Well, that's a very profound point. Thanks for that. Now, in recent months, a number of European leaders have traveled to Beijing, and I've heard it said that China would like nothing more than to divide Europe from the United States. Is that part of the strategy of this global civilization initiative? Well, I think this is just a general political goal of China to at least isolate the United States to some extent. But when it comes in Europe, of course, a good relations with Europe would be helpful for China. But like dividing Europe, in many cases, Europe divides itself when dealing with China. And um, uh, I don't see something that new Actually, in the in the Chinese approach, it's just like it's it's not they are not trying to reach out to Europe again. But I think the key um, uh, focus group for for China when it comes to pushing forward the Global Civilization Initiative is the Global South. Well, I'm very keen actually to get some more guests on from the Global South onto this podcast because I'm interested to hear their perspective. But what's your take on China's message to that region? 
it depends on the issue area you, you're dealing with. We saw during the COVID pandemic that China was quite successful at the first years of the pandemic to deliver concrete goods in a time of need, while you had export restrictions um, from Europe of um, uh, medical goods like at the beginning of 2020. And the Trump administration was also not reaching out or delivering goods to, to those countries in the global south. So there we have a concrete example of China actually delivering. And when you talk, I did a couple of interviews with recipient countries of those, of those aids. Um, I don't think that there's like a, a willingness or wish to become more like China or to actually become um, convinced by the ideology of the Chinese Communist Party, but a more pragmatic way of saying, well, we have our own political agendas, we have agency ourselves. And if China can help us to achieve our domestic um, political goals, then why not take advantage of this? And it is easier to have a road or a bridge being built because it's something concrete than from the European side going there and, and, and to preach and lecture about the rule of law, but you cannot touch it because it would just like remain an abstract concept. So in the areas where China is able to deliver concretely, I think that we see more or that we see an interest for the recipient countries or the countries in the global south to increase their partnership and cooperation with China. Well, thank you, Moritz, for taking us deep into this fascinating topic. That was Dr. Moritz Rudolph from Yale Law School's Paul Tsai China Center. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute, part of the University of London, and you can find out more about the Institute's courses and research at soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here at the China in Context podcast team. Thank you.